Well, welcome everybody, and Happy New Year. Welcome everybody watching online. Thanks for joining us too. And uh, it's great to be together uh, kicking off 2023. Man, that's just crazy that time has flown by that fast. And some of you, I'm just being honest, have not aged well. Uh, but uh, some of us have, some of us haven't. You know, you be your own judge of that. But uh, it's great to be together. Hey, before, um, before I start uh, our teaching tonight, I'd like us to pray for a couple things. Uh, before, before I jump in, uh, so two things. Uh, we have a young adult missions team down in Mexico right now. And uh, th- the shortest way to describe it is they're kind of stuck there for a little bit. There's some travel issues that are going on. And so they're safe, they're sound, they're happy, uh, all those kind of things. But it's complicated getting groups in and out when you have a travel snafu. So if we could pray for them, uh, that God would keep using them and keep encouraging them, but they're, they're supposed to be back, they're gonna be back late, and you know how that plays with your schedule uh, when you get some stuck someplace like that. So I wanna pray for that young adult group. And then the other thing I'd like us to pray for is we've got about, about 150-ish uh, junior high students on a retreat uh, this weekend. So that's awesome, they're up at Kalahari at a big retreat, so I wanna pray for them. Maybe pray a lot for the adult leaders who are with them. Um, but we, we know that God really uses those environments. Like we, at Grace Church, we, we think the retreat environment's really, really important. So as a parent, like your kids on a, a camp or a retreat or a Momentum Youth Conference is probably the best investment you can make and those things. So we really believe that God, God interacts with children all the time in the scripture, you see it. So we believe that God can interact with them and is doing that, and so we just wanna pray that God uses that time together, so. All right, so why don't I lead us, would you just join me? And, uh, and we'll just pray for that, those parts of our church family. So Jesus, thank you that we can gather. Uh, thank you that we're talking to you. We're not speaking to the air right now, we're just talking to you. And uh, whether we're here in the room or somewhere, via the internet, we can join together as a, as a church family and just pray for other parts of our church family. So I pray for our young adults, God, just continue to do ministry there, uh, give them a sweet time with each other and with you and even doing the ministry there with our, our friends and our family in Mexico. And then God, if you would go before them with the travel, we would, we would be grateful for that. And then, God, with uh, all of our, our uh, uh, junior high students and the adults who are with them, Lord, I just, you will, uh, they will hear the gospel. They will be uh, loved and connected to and discipled through this weekend. And so, God, if you would just help to open up their hearts and their minds to what you want to teach them and uh, use that time in a powerful way, we'd be grateful. And I, do that for us, too, Lord. We're going to sit and talk about your heart for us and and uh, we wanna be taught and be humble and receive what you have for us as well. So just do that here uh, in this time is also. So we love you, Jesus. Thanks for loving us and hearing us. In your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, so we're gonna start a series this weekend that we're calling First Things First. And we're talking about new ideas for a meaningful life. And that's kind of where we're gonna focus here for a little bit. So kind of looking at this idea of starting the year a lot of us kind of make these, like I want this year to be different than last year, right? It, call it a New Year's resolution. I don't make New Year's resolutions because I always break them. And so I'm like, why hassle, you know? Um, but I do think that there's times that we look and say, 
let's do a reset or I have a discontentment with my life. There's a cycle in my life, there's a habit in my life, an addiction in my life, there's anxiety, there's stress, there's insecurity, there's all these things about our lives that we often don't like or want. What's fascinating when you look at the scripture is Christ often doesn't want those for you either. So Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I've come to give you life, eternal life, and then life to the fullest. I've actually come so that your life can be more the way that you imagine it being. And that doesn't mean that you get everything you want, and that doesn't mean you don't have any problems. That means that the deeper stuff, the stuff of the heart, that God is with you and helps you and walks with you through those things. So when we think about like anxiety or we think about stress or we think about addictions or we think about relational problems and and how those types of things bring pressure into our life, Jesus would look and say, I think about those things for you too. Like I want you to have a healthy family. I want you to have good friendships. I want you to have a healthy marriage. I want you to be free of addictions. I I want you to cast your anxiety on me because I care for you. So God would look at those deeper parts of our life and he'd say, yeah, what you want's what I want. I want that for you. You want that for yourself. And what we often do kind of at the new year, the new year resolution idea is, is me looking and saying, because I want that, I'm going to do something myself to, to break these cycles and get the life that I kind of want. And if you have done that for a few years, you know that usually that doesn't happen, right? So we'll get on a kick, we'll get on a roll, and we'll very quickly fall back into the same cycles of habits, addictions, dysfunction, uh, depression, whatever that is. It it will kind of roll back to us no matter how much willpower we place at it. And what I wanna show you here through this series for the next few weeks is is that when we we see that happening, I'm like, that is what's happening. Like our strength, our ability, our willpower to so say has a cap to it. If you could break those cycles and be out of those habits on your own, you would have done that already. And what Jesus is gonna show us here in a little bit, and then we're gonna talk about for a few weeks, is he's like, yeah, all that actually is achievable and something I want to give you, but there's a key to it. There's a key to it. And the key is that you put first things first. And, and when, I, when Jesus says first things first, he, if he was here, he'd be like, and what I mean by that is like me. Like that is, that comes through me. Uh, life transformation comes through me. The renewing of the mind, thinking differently comes through me. The change of the heart, which is where dysfunction and anxiety and addictions are rooted, those cycles are broken through me. And I want to give you that life. I want that for you too. But that's not something that you're going to make a set of decisions and kind of tag me onto it and wind up where you want to be. You actually have to put first things first. All of that has to come through me. It's by me. It's empowered by me. And as you put me at the focal point or what Colossians says at the point of supremacy in your life, first things first, then I will take you down these paths, right? That will give you these things. And so uh, we'll, we'll look at this a little bit. In fact, it's fascinating. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus paints a picture 
of what that life could be that's very appealing, right? So we're gonna hang out a bunch of Matthew chapter six, by the way, through this series. So if you got a Bible, grab it and go to Matthew chapter six or use your phones if you, however you wanna do it and maybe just put a little bit of a bookmark there because we're gonna be there for a little bit. But Matthew chapter six is really fascinating. About halfway through the chapter, Jesus is teaching and he gets to this point in verse 25 where in his teaching he paints a picture and he's in essence saying, is this the life that you would like? Are you and I talking about the same thing? He says it this way in verse 25, Matthew chapter six. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow Uh, They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. Why would you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Jesus is talking to an an audience of ancient people and the most pressing thing in their life every day was food, clothing, and water. So in the ancient world, you didn't wake up asking, what am I gonna eat? You you woke up asking, am I gonna eat? You didn't wake up asking, what am I gonna wear? You woke up asking, uh, am I going to wear something? Because if I need a new shirt, it starts with like, growing cotton, <laughs> you know, like you, you, you didn't just run down the Target and, and get, get another one, right? And when you, you woke up and said, I'm thirsty, you didn't just say, well, I'm thirsty. You asked yourself, where am I going to get water? So what Jesus is saying to these people, he's like, you wake up every day and you ask yourself these core things about your life. And these are the core needs of your life and these core needs of your life dominate your life and they stress you, they give you anxiety, you worry about them. They are the driving forces of your life. Now for you and I in a modern day, our core things would be different because we don't wake up worrying about what we're gonna eat. We, work, we usually wake up worrying about what we're not gonna eat and what I'm not gonna wear and where, you know, water's pretty easy. So Jesus is looking, he's, he would look at you if he was here this weekend and he'd be like, listen, You get up every day and you worry about your marriage. You get up every day and you worry about your kid. You get up every day, you worry about your friendship. You worry about grad school. You worry about the job. You worry about varsity. You worry. And he's looking at us and saying, why worry? Why do you have so little faith? Why are you living that way? Right Now, when I grew up in church and I was taught this passage, I always heard Jesus saying that in a condemning way. Hey, dummy, what are you worrying? Or it's a, I can't believe you have such little faith. That, that's the way it was taught to me. I don't think that's what Jesus is doing. I think what Jesus is saying is you don't have to worry. You don't have to live a life that's devoid of faith. You don't have to be self-sufficient because 
you have a heavenly father. He, he feeds the birds, he clothes the lilies. He, you have a God who loves you, a God who wants to give you eternal life, but not just eternal life, he wants to give you life to the fullest. He knows your needs, he wants to supply those needs. Wouldn't it be nice if you didn't worry about those? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if my faith grew to a depth that I could trust God and not feel like I have to fix all of those problems that I've been unable to fix? Wouldn't that be a relief if that anxiety was cast upon Christ, if my cares were carried by Christ, if my need for provision was directed by God, if my hopes and dreams of grad school or college or varsity I could trust that God was directing those things and I didn't have to manipulate that. Wouldn't that pull a lot of things off of my life? And Jesus is like, wouldn't you rather have that than what you got? So he paints this picture and it's this really appealing picture. And I look at that and I'm like, I'd like that. I mean, that'd be awesome. You know, if if I could not stare at the ceiling at night, uh, my life will be way easier, but I struggle with it, and I start to ask myself the question, if that's the life God wants to give me, and that's part of what Jesus offers me through his death and resurrection, what's the problem? Like, why am I not enjoying that or embracing that? And it's fascinating, after Jesus paints this picture, what he does next is he basically says, Would, does this sound more appealing? Most of us would be like, yeah, it sounds more appealing. And then he says, well, there's a key to this whole thing. And the key to this whole thing is putting first things first, putting me at a position of supremacy because this life that you want and that I wanna give you isn't something that you pick up and willpower on your own. It's actually something that you have to receive through me. He says it this way, In Matthew 6, verse 33, he says, here's the key, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as as well. Your needs, food, clothing, whatever your basic worries are, your core things. Seek me, and I'll relieve the worry and the stress and the pressure. I'll be your provider. I'll be your life changer. I'll be your mind transformer. It'll be added to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You freaking out and you pushing into that and you willpowering it and you making another resolution is not the path that's gonna take you to the life that you want and that God wants for you. It's not gonna work. But if you put me in a place of supremacy, first place, and you bring your life through me, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The first thing I seek is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then this is the life, this is the path I'm gonna take you to, and these things will be added unto you as well, okay? Now, when I'm looking at this, and I can see pretty easily that that's what Jesus is saying, my question then becomes for myself is, what does that mean? Like, how, how do you seek first the kingdom? How does that play out? What's it mean to seek first? So I was trying to think about this in a way that 
could make sense. And one of the things I wanted to, to try to give you with this was a handle, something you can grab hold on that you could use like in everyday life. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is a super big concept. We're gonna talk about it, but like it's hard to like wrap your head all around that and then like put it in the forefront of your brain. And so what does it mean to seek first? I was trying to boil this down into like a couple of words that would make sense. And here's the words I came up with. People who seek first, if I wanna be a first seeker, I wanna find Christ and I wanna, I wanna seek his righteousness and I wanna put him first place in my life. People who seek first, their lives are defined by what I call a predetermined yes. A predetermined yes. And if I wanna seek first the kingdom of God, what I have to do, so to say, in order to do that, is I have to draw a conclusion ahead of time or I have to predetermine that I'm going to say yes to God regardless of what God asks me to do or what path he takes me down because if I'm going to have a life different than what I have right now, it means that God is gonna take me down a path I haven't been down before. So a predetermined yes. Um, I'll give you an example of this. When uh, Heidi and I have six children, we have seven uh, with our daughter-in-law, and we're getting another daughter-in-law next weekend, so we're going to go up to eight, which means um, they have to pay for things. And so, uh, but we, you know, we have six kids that, that we raise in our home. So the way that my life looked when the kids were little is I would go to work, and I have a big job, and I, I, I think I work hard, so I'd usually work 10, 12 hours a day or however long I could stretch it out so I didn't have to go home and deal with the kids. And so I would work a long time. And then at that time in our life, Heidi, Heidi was staying at home with the kids and, and running our businesses from the house. So she would be with the kids all day and I would be out all day and I'd have a long day and, and sometimes a stressful day. So I knew how my evenings were gonna play out. I was gonna come home and I knew that when I walked in the house, I was gonna get attacked right? The kids used to literally hide and try to scare me. It was a lot of fun, actually, when I walk in the house. And I knew immediately the questions would start. Dad, can we wrestle? Dad, can we play basketball? Dad, can we, you know, play Incredibles? Dad, can we blah, blah, blah? Like, I knew all this was going to start. I knew I was going to come home tired and exhausted, and I knew that what I wanted to do was be by myself and left alone for the rest of the night. But I knew that what my kids needed me to do was like play with them, wrestle with them, have devotions with them, all those kind of things. So what I did was I got into this habit as a, as a dad of young kids. I would pull in the, the driveway and I would sit in my car because if they ran to the car, I could lock the doors um, and they couldn't, they couldn't get me. So I would sit in my car for a minute and I would pray. I, I, this, is, this is literally what I did. We're talking like three or four minutes. I do this every day. I would pray and I would say, Lord, I want a relationship with my kids and I want a relationship with my wife. I, I want to serve and love my wife because Heidi's super done after a day trapped in the house with, with kids, right? So she's super done. She wants me home. They want me home. I want a relationship with them. I don't have the energy to, to just do this, right? I want to do this. I don't have the energy to do this. So God Help me to say yes before I think about it. 
And what I would do in my car is I would, de- I would decide to have a predetermined yes. And I got into this habit. I would say yes to my kids before I talked myself out of saying yes to them. So now I'm out of the car. Daddy, can we wrestle? Yes. Daddy, can we play basketball? Yes. Daddy, can we get the go-kart out? Yes. Daddy, can we play Incredibles? Yes. Right? I would say yes to them. I predetermined I was going to say yes to them. And I predetermined I was going to say yes to Heidi. Can you give them a bath? Yes. Can you do the kit? Yes. Can you? Yes. Right? Because left to myself, I'm going to talk myself out of it. Ready? This is huge. But I wanted a relationship with them. I wanted this life over here where they are loved, they love me, we're a close family. But I didn't have the strength to do that. So by predetermining a yes, I positioned myself relationally. And then the yes defined the evening as opposed to fatigue, tired, I want to be left alone. Tracking me? People who seek first the kingdom have a predetermined yes. And the yes defines their relationship with God as opposed to the no or the caution or the half measure. Yes. The answer is yes, God. Go ahead and ask me the question. And when you seek first the kingdom, I I want this life, I would love not to worry, I'd love to have more faith, I'd love not to be, like I, I want that, Jesus is like, I'd love to give it to you, but the key to that is you seek me first. And the more you say yes to me, the more that becomes a reality for you. But that, that life is not you saying yes to yourself and then throwing a little bit of Jesus on it. You having an agenda and then asking Jesus to bless it. That life is a seeking first life, see? that takes you to the place that God wants you to be. A couple of passages that kind of help me understand this. Uh, Proverbs chapter three, verse five. The writer says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own, your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord and he will direct your paths is what it goes on to say. So when you look at this passage, it, this is what a predetermined yes feels like. A predetermined yes is trusting in the Lord. So I'm trusting, seek me first. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna seek you, not me, trusting you, and then I'm not going to depend on my own understanding. Why do we get into cycles? How many times have you said, this time's gonna be different? How many times have you tried to talk out the marriage thing? How many times have you had tried to have a healthy friendship? How many, why do we get into cycles? We get into cycles and we stay in cycles because we lean on our own understanding. Your ability to change your life has already been proven. You've led yourself back to where you are. I love you, I'm just being honest with you. You've led yourself back to where you are again and again and again and again. And when I lean into my own understanding and I'm in a place in some area of my life that I don't wanna be or doesn't honor God, who got me there? Now what we're tempted to do I love you. What we're tempted to do is say, she did. Right? God, changer, smiter, whatever you gotta do. Like, she did it. He did. God, change him, you know, 
Turn them into a pillar of salt. Like, I, I'm, I'm open to options, like, right? We, we tend, it's my parents, it's my, and, I, and I'm, look at, I love you, you with me? It's not, it's you. And when I lean into my own understanding, when I react, it's because I'm leaning into my own understanding. When I, when I lose my sobriety, it's because I lean into my own understanding. When I fall sexually and immorally again, I lean into my own understanding. When I, when I, when I look and say I'm mad because my wife won't serve me even though I made a vow that I would serve her, I lean into my own understanding. When I'm jealous, when I'm covetous, fill in your blanks. And when I lean into my own understanding, I'm gonna set my life into a cycle and that cycle becomes wildly predictable. A predetermined yes is just me saying, God, I'm gonna trust you instead of me. I'm not going to depend on myself. And what's gonna happen, I'm gonna show you some things in scripture here in the next few weeks that are going to be incredibly disruptive to your life. If you don't want God to mess with your life, you should really skip church for the next few weeks. Because what Jesus is gonna do, he's gonna come in with wisdom, we're gonna call them ideas or truths, and he's gonna come in with wisdom and truths that we didn't think up on our own. They're not our understanding. And they are gonna be so counterintuitive to what we think. Sometimes he's gonna speak to us and we're gonna be defensive. Sometimes we're gonna speak to us, we're gonna be offended. Sometimes we're gonna speak to us and I'm gonna have, everything in me is gonna have to work at trusting the Lord. And he's gonna speak these ideas into our life and he's gonna look and say, you don't wanna be worried and stressed and frustrated and you don't want that cycle, do you? I don't want it for you, you don't want it for you, but you keep, you keep producing it for you. So what if we introduce a different path, but Jesus would say, but you're not gonna understand it. Like, it's just, this, is, this is, we're gonna have to disrupt and go a different direction that you haven't gone before to get a result that you haven't had. The predetermined yes is just looking and saying, um, okay, the answer's yes. What's the path exactly? The answer's yes. What are, you, what are you gonna change in my life? The answer's yes. What are you addressing that I didn't think need addressed? Right? But people who seek first the kingdom are looking for that. And they're accepting that. And they've, they've already determined, so to say, that that's gonna be their response to God. Another passage that kind of helps explain this to understand a little bit is in Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse one. So this is the Apostle Paul. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And it says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of the world. That's out your own understanding, but be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. So this is the thing. Pe people who seek first the kingdom, offer themselves. You see what God says here? He doesn't say, you better live in view of God's mercy or I'm gonna take your body. He says, listen, 
offer your, yourself, people who, who seek the kingdom have a predetermined yes, what does that predetermined yes look like? It looks like me volunteering. God does not beg you. And he also doesn't, doesn't make you. If you don't want to follow Jesus, don't. I mean, you don't have to. If, 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 you don't, if you don't want to hear God's word, don't, don't listen to it. I mean, you, you probably won't get transferred to Michigan, more than likely. You know, I, I'm serious, that's not the way it works. He's not going to hit you with a bolt of lightning. You can ignore God as much as you want. But you're not going to have the life that you want. You're not going to have the peace that you want. You're not going to have the joy that you want. So you don't have to. He doesn't make you. He doesn't beg and he doesn't force, what he does is he invites. Would you rather not worry or worry? Would you rather have faith or not have faith? Would you rather be overwhelmed or not overwhelmed? Would you rather have healing in your marriage than not have healing in your marriage? Would you rather have a depth of friendship or not have a depth of friendship? But it's up to you. And the key to that is I offer myself. I'm volunteering to follow God, see? And I'm volunteering to take in his word. I like to say that the number one mark of a true disciple is they stop arguing with the Bible. I'm not in an argument with the Bible. I'm not in an argument with God. I'm not trying to figure out how do I get out of what God's word says I'm seeking first the kingdom. I'm trying to figure out how do I get my heart and my head around what God's word says so I can welcome that into my life, right? So Jesus says that's the key. He, the, Colossians says that he's supreme over all things. Life begins with Christ. And when I put first things first, all I'm doing is like acknowledging that. I'm, I'm kind of willfully locking that into my life. And I'm seeking first his kingdom. I'm seeking his righteousness. And then this life, this abundant life, is added unto me as well, right? And I'll walk you through a few areas. That, that I'm telling you, they're gonna be touchy. So I'm just like, I don't know, we'll have extra security that weekend. Like, like it, you're, you're, not, you're gonna walk away and be like, I don't know if I like that guy. And I'm like, well, there's a club. <laughs> Google it. But, but like, right, so like, I, I got you, Jesus is not trying to, to jerk you around. He's trying to lead you to a place that you would have not thought to go on your own, right? And people who seek first the kingdom look for that and then decide that they've gone to it. They, they wanna go there as well. I was having um, a breakfast with a, a college student this week and, uh, and he was uh, asking me questions about the will of God. And it's like, he's like, how do you know the will of God? I was like, I don't know. If you find out, let me know. And, and so uh, we're kind of having this whole conversation. And he, uh, he's kind of going back and forth about whether he wants to go into ministry or not. And what do you do with school and this and that and everything. So that's why he asked me to go to breakfast. And, and so we're sitting there talking about that. And he said, uh, he goes, Pastor Jeff, he goes, did you feel called to be a pastor? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, did you ever have like this moment with God, this, you know, epiphany, this 
the angels saying from heaven, the bush caught on fire kind of thing. He's like, did you ever have like that moment where you felt called to be a pastor? And I looked at him, I said, you know, no, I never did. And he said, uh, he goes, really? He goes, I thought that's the way it worked. I was like, well, I, it may work that way for some people. Um, it, it didn't work that way for me. And he said, uh, he, goes, he goes, how did you become a pastor? I said, I think I just volunteered to be one. And, and I, said, I said, I never had this moment where God was like, and thou shalt be a pastor in Akron, <laughs> you know? So I'm, like, I'm really sure that didn't happen. Um, I, I said, but I did have a moment with God that, is, that I remember and was very transformational in my life. And I said, I remember after I accepted Christ, I was a junior in college, there was a moment in my dorm where I was, I was reading the Bible and I um, had basically read something about offering your life and I said, I remember praying that night and I remember saying to God, God, I want to be used by you and I want to give you my life. So I want you to use my life however you want to use it. And then just give me courage and faith to act on that. So I did have that moment. I said, everything about being a pastor then was just saying yes to opportunities. I knew a guy that knew a guy that knew a guy in Norton. And that guy asked me to have breakfast, Heidi and I. So we were like, yeah, we'll come do that. And then like, there was a youth pastor position. Like, you want to be the youth pastor? I'm like, sure. And then they're like, you know, you want to start a campus? I'm like, yeah. And then like, you want to be in charge of it all? I'm like, okay. And like, it, it was just saying, there was no plan, no career path. I, didn't, I wasn't even trained in ministry until after I was in ministry. I went to ministry school while I was pastoring. Right? Now, I have a friend that's a doctor. He had that exact same type of experience. And he loves Jesus and he's in medicine because he sees how he can use it to serve people and build the kingdom of God. All he does is say yes. I have a friend that's a factory foreman here in Akron. And he leads guys that he works with to Christ all the time and disciples them. He's just a guy that seeks the king. He just says yes. Every time there's an opportunity to share Jesus' love with somebody, he does it. I have a friend that's a farmer. He called me the other day. And uh, we're supposed to take this trip together. He's one of my best friends. We're supposed to take this trip together. And he's like, hey, God laid on my heart to maybe invite somebody else. Do you care? I was like, no. He's like, good, because I already did. He's just, he's just a guy that says yes. I have a, 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 a friend that's a homemaker. And she, she's got a master's degree. She's not home because she has to be home. She, she's, she felt led to do that. So she said yes to that. You with me here? People who seek the kingdom just say yes. And, the, and then where God takes them is where he takes them. They... they they don't lean on their own understanding. I got a plan, I got a thing, I got a, like, okay, Lord, I want to lean on your understanding. 
And then they just offer themselves. I, I think I just volunteered to do this. And then God kind of worked it out. Right? I'm just, and, and I see that my, my dad was a machinist. He just volunteered to follow Christ. My mom worked in the kitchen of a nursing home. She just volunteered. I would come home. I never knew who was going to be living with us. Because my mom just said yes. If somebody was in trouble, they just wound up living in our house. They just said yes. They just sought first the kingdom. Right? And life wasn't always easy. And we, we didn't get everything we wanted. And... We tithed and we didn't, we didn't get $1,000 off of our 10 bucks. But there's joy and there was fulfillment and there's, there's trust and there was a relief and faith grew and God provided and anxiety went down and a path was laid out and strength was given because people were just seeking the kingdom. First things first. And you'll see this a lot in scripture. We're gonna, we're gonna see this here in, in, from Jesus' words, but it's not the only place. Where, where the Lord just says, just start with me. Run everything through me. And, and I, I will lead you where I want you to be. And when you are where I want you to be, all these things will be, all these things you're looking for, they'll be added to you as well, right? But life begins and ends, begins and ends with me, okay? All right. Band's gonna come out. They're gonna reset the stage here. Would you pray with me and spend a minute with God here as they do that? I don't know where you're at. I don't know your resolution or your life change or your frustration, but I know that God does. I know that he cares. I know that he wants what's best for you. And I know that you can trust him. That's what I know. How that plays out in real time, I don't know. That's God's decision. We don't get to manipulate that. But I know he won't leave us. I know he won't forsake us. And I know the longings of our heart, the things down deep, are put there by him. I wonder if you just took a minute and asked the Lord, Lord, is there a place where I'm just not saying yes to you? Maybe it's faith, maybe it's forgiveness, maybe it's sin, immorality. Maybe it's following him, volunteering. I don't know. But I know that God wants you close to him, right? And I know that as we follow God, it's gonna cut against our grain. It's not easy. But I know that it's always worth it. And so maybe asking God just to increase your faith and helping you to trust in his heart. Jesus, in these moments, would you, through your Holy Spirit, press deep into our heart 
areas of our life, God, that we're fearful, anxious, stubborn, would you address those for us? And would you just draw us closer and closer to your heart, God? Change our minds, change our hearts, God, and begin to make our paths straight.